This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Hello, everybody. We are here back following what was, I, I guess in some ways, it's an anticlimactic deadline day. But if you were on Twitter, if you're following any of the rumors, it was certainly hectic. Supposed ITKs in the nose, throwing rumors around. It was it got wild for a little bit, but ultimately it was a little quiet. Um, we are here. I'm here. Alex will be joining us shortly. He is currently out uh, at the Cheesecake Factory for his birthday. So we might sing him a little tune, but I'm here joined by Ryan Williams. Ryan, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, James. Uh, thrilled to be here. So Ryan, I'm sure you, and we, we talked about this a little bit, but what a deadline day. And, and it was kind of, I guess everyone was sort of build up, build up. Marcel Brands is the kind of guy who leaves his business late. We're going to get three signings in the door. And then, I mean, I personally went to bed last night around 1 a.m. because I couldn't stop refreshing Twitter yep. and thinking I'd wake up to see Wilfred Zaha as an Everton player. When that didn't happen, I was a little disappointed. Where, uh, What do you make of the deadline day kind of, I guess it was quiet by by what everyone was kind of expecting? It was weird, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I almost did the exact same thing. You know, of course, you're refreshing. You're looking at Twitter. You're looking at all the feeds. And, uh, you know, I knew I was coming on with you guys. So, I mean, I kind of had my whole stick about Zaha, you know, uh, ready to go and how he would impact. You know, he's kind of a, a controversial player. He's very unique. But I felt the same way. And then, you know, I, I should have known better. I don't know about you, but when it first came out, I'm thinking no chance. I mean, I felt the same way about Keane, too. So, but I was like, Zaha's not coming to us. Come on, man. That's crazy. First of all, I mean, Palace can't. He's just too important to them, the way they play. And we, we can get into the tactics a little bit later. Uh, I just didn't think it was a possibility. And, and darn it, you know what I did? I, I let I let the British media and everybody else get into me. I, you know, I should have been smarter. I said, no chance, no chance. And then last night, I did the same thing, man. I was like, oh, my God, he put in a transfer request. It's all happening. You know, I felt like the Rand Paul meme out there. You know what I mean? Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think we, we need to be smarter than that, right? Have we not learned? I mean, Marcel keeps it to his best. You know, keeps everything to his chest. He's smart. He's measured. Um, you know, we, we should have known. And as it turns out, he did go in, right? But he didn't go in with anything massive. I mean, I, you got to wonder. The one thing I did think about, and I saw some notes on Reddit and some other speculations, you know, Mashiri always talks about the big splash signing, right? He wants to make it. He wants to make that big signing. That's not very brandish. You know, Marcel said when he got hired, he's like, look, man, if you want to win tomorrow, I'm not your guy. And we, and we should have known that, right? And we should have known that. I mean, tell me you didn't feel the same way. No, absolutely. And, and exactly, like you said, I mean, for the first several days of li being linked with Zaha, I thought absolutely no way. No way, A, we would be willing to pay enough to get him. B, no, no way he would really want to come to us. But then you see Arsenal sign Pepe and Ooh, all of yeah, a sudden think. it's like, oh, maybe this could happen. You and know, it's Marcel. So I know. You know, he, he has such a pedigree. And so you think, well, if anyone could do it, it's Marcel Brands. But then as it went on and you could tell the the rumored bids when we started, when I think where it really kind of jumped the shark was when we rumored to, we were rumored to have bid 70 million plus McCarthy and Tosin. Yeah. And at that point. Come on. I mean, Come it, on. exactly. It, and also you think, oh yeah, we're adding players to the deal, man. This is not football manager. That's not how it works. Um, yeah. And I mean, the thing is you, you can't avoid for me, you know, I'm, I have a bit of, as we talked about before the show, um, for me, I'm pretty cognizant of financial fair play and some of the calculations. I'm a little too into the financial statements, actually. Uh, and that, that was always lingering to me. Like, it's not that I don't think. So the problem is you can look at the statements and see, you know, monetary wise, what's sustainable, what's not. I know we're going to cut salary. We probably still are. Um, but you start thinking about financial fair play and you're like, well, you know, we probably made a pretty big loss this year. And then you're like, the, the year prior, we, we kind of broke even financial fair play wise. We, we actually probably made some money because you don't count academy costs. And we had some write downs and some other stuff, comparatively speaking. And you just start doing the math and you're like, dude, there's no way we're bidding 70 million and these two guys, you know, it's just, we should have known better, but I got caught in, into it just like you. Now, the question is though, what have we missed? Have we missed the golden opportunity here? Have we and maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we're not ready to make that leap. Uh, but have we missed the opportunity to get into the top six? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, that's an important question. And, and whether Wilfred Zaha was the answer to or or the key that unlocks the fabled door of the top six, 
I don't know if that's exactly the case. And we'll get into, you know, what we did as far as overall squad improvements. And, and I think everyone, the, the pressing area that everyone knew we needed to improve. If you look at the beginning of the window, it was keep Kurt Zuma, keep Andre Gomez, yeah. sign a striker, sign a winger. And we did three out of those four things. Um, and, and I think ultimately Zaha would have been just kind of the, the FU to the rest of the league, because really what got to me the most was everybody's every other f- club and every fan of every other club saying, why would he come to you? Why would he come too to good, you? you know, not good enough for, Z- Oh yeah. That's why you wanted to sign him. I mean, and that's not the right way to operate. Right. I mean, you cannot be doing that, but yes, of course you felt, I felt the exact same way. Yeah. But if you think about it, I mean, I, I think the best way to really look at things is the way you put it out. Um, I mean, yes, I think we should, we can get into more detail about, you know, did we really improve, but those are the things we needed to do. We, we absolutely, I mean, number one, we needed to replace Gonawing. Uh, we absolutely, we need more goals. I mean, it's really as simple as that. I mean, we had what, four, 54 goals last year. When you go back and look historically speaking, I mean, how often do you see a, a team go into the top six and score less than 60 goals? It doesn't happen very often. So look, we addressed it with with Keane. And, and let me tell you another thing. I am really tired of people telling me, oh, he's only 19. We got Look, I don't care if he's 19 or not. I've seen the guy play enough. He's good. He's better than what we have now. I know it's going to take time tactically to come speed. I get that. But I'm so tired. Oh, he's un, unknown. He's he's just a pro. No, he's not, man. That guy is ready to play. He could play at Juventus. He can play. There's no question there. But yeah, I mean, we addressed most of those things. Back up right back, I think, would be the only other thing I'd add, James. Um, we Most of those things. You know what I mean? But then you take a step back and wh- what did we miss? Because that's the one thing that you kind of start thinking about. Okay, Zuma didn't come back. So is Yeri Mina ready to go? I, I think Mina is, I think there are things he doesn't do as well as Kurt. There's no question. I think there's a debate whether him and Michael Keane are a great match. I mean, everyone says no pace. You know, ironically, Michael Keane is, maybe it's on a track, is actually really fast. Like, no one realizes this. Sean Dice flat out said he was the second fastest player on his team. Uh, and, and then like, you know, the guardian does every year, like the fastest guys, you know, five fastest guys in every team and gives their maximum top speed. And Keen was way up there. Uh, but le- yeah, I mean, he turns like a battleship. I mean, I admit it. It's true. But, but for me, for me, um, I think what's more important is chemistry and positioning and, and tactical awareness and, and guys working together and look, maybe Mina is not as solid and as sound as Zuma. He's got more stuff to learn. He's maybe less polished, but let's be honest. If you need goals. We now have a ball playing center back. Yuri Mina can serve a ball. He's got great passing range. And on set pieces, he's the threat. Um, but do we have enough there, James? I mean, we've got Keane, Yeri. One of the ice go, guys go down. I mean, do you really feel comfortable with Bameen either stepping back or, or Mason Holgate? Uh, people seem to be pretty torn on Mason Holgate. I mean, if, if, if it comes down to Lewis Gibson, no, I, I don't feel like Lewis Gibson's ready to step in. Oh, but everyone's Bameen, raving about him. Everyone's yeah. raving about him. Oh. He played a couple good preseason games. Like he's the answer to our depth problems. No, <laughs> yeah, no, not obviously yet. not. No, one day maybe. But, yeah, sure. He's he's extremely promising, and, and I have high hopes for him. But yeah, I mean, it's it's clear. It's a glaring, you know, mark. I think on on the summer that we weren't able <clears> to, and I, and I think ultimately what it, what happened was we left the Kurt Zuma deal a little late, and we thought that we were going to be able to get it over the line. I think Marcel probably felt pretty confident, and then. Um, what happened was, of course, with the Louise uh, making the move to, across London to Arsenal today, they just there was zero percent chance. And I think even before that, there was very little chance, despite I think the player wanting to come, not willing to rock the boat. Um, but but really, that is the area. The center back areas is what's going to come under question because I think we were so happy with how the two Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma performed last season. We They're thought, well, if we can just wrap that up. Exactly. They were, they were excellent. And if we can just wrap that up and then, you know, sprinkle in some new players throughout the rest of the squad, well, then we, we have a very solid unit in the back and we know that that's something to build on. Now, though Yuri Mina actually did come in and replace Kurt Zuma a couple of times and, and deputize very well. And I think he has a ton of, a ton of potential. Like you said, uh, his threat on set pieces, his ability to play the ball with his feet. Um, the, the pace concerns I think are valid, especially with the high line that we tend to play. Yeah look faster teams teams looking to counter and, and early on last season and in very in a lot of places 
we looked very vulnerable on the counterattack. No and question. I don't think that those issues, I don't think those issues have gone away. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's also, there'll be a benefit of them starting already familiar with the tactics, but then what is, what is your alternative? I mean, I, I, I totally agree. Mason Holgate kind of terrifies me a little bit. You know, there are times where you watch him play and you think, oh, he's graceful. He's this athletic, talented ball playing, you know, player that, and he's gotten bigger and stronger and better in the air. I got to give him credit for that, but he terrifies me with the ball. He still makes too many mistakes. He's very confident, but at center back, sometimes it's okay to not, I'm glad that you feel confident that you can make the 50 yard pass, but it's not always the right thing to do. And, And I think sometimes he thinks he's a little bit better ball player than he is. So conversely, um, we were linked to a couple names today, the last couple of days. I, you know, I don't know what to believe. Uh, there was a lot of interaction on social media, in particular today, about Marcus Rojo, uh, Chris Smalling. I mean, I don't know how you felt about that, but uh, I, definitely, uh, I definitely was a little uh, – uh, raised my ire a little bit. Some people's just assuming went right back to the whole, oh, it's old Everton again. Marcel Brands doesn't know what he's doing. That whole, I, I don't know how you felt about it, but I, I was kind of ticked off. I, I did react a little bit harshly at times on some. Well, to me, the the Smalling and Rojo rumors, A, I, I don't, I really, really question the credibility of those rumors. Yeah. To me, it because not only were people saying same old Everton, but that is like literally the exact same rumor that was floated around last deadline yep. day, last end of the window. Yep. So to me, it just seems like a recycled, a recycled rumor looking to get clicks, looking to get headlines. And we see a ton of those. Does, we see a ton of those recycled rumors that you're like, there's no way, dude. This is a totally different team. Have we forgotten? I don't know about this one, though. I mean, do you think that had legs? I mean, maybe. Uh, were we ever really considering throwing in 25 million no. for Marcus Rojo? No, no, no. That, is that Marcel Brands' no. MO? I just, there's just absolutely no way that I, if we're that desperate, I think that that is, a, uh, I think that's a real indictment of the current regime. And I'm not saying that it, that it is, you know, gargantuan and that it, that it, uh, neg, you know, sets, offsets everything else good that they've done. But I have to think that we have a better plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D. Then resorting to Man United rejects to bolster our ranks at the on deadline day. So you know the funny part is I actually think Rojo is okay. I, I mean I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying I want him as a starter, but as a loan e, and that's what I assumed it was. You know, hey let's let's see if we can get him on loan. I mean he's not going to see the field at Man U. I think they've made that perfectly clear to him, uh, for better or for worse. I mean it's not like Man U hasn't made that mistake before uh, in terms of playing the wrong guys at center back, um, but. I mean, I got it a little bit. I know people immediately read him off. You know, they're like, oh, Mark's wrong. We can't do it. But I mean, the bottom line is he's left footer. He's pretty good with the ball. Uh, he gives us something a little different than maybe we have now. He's deceptively strong, decent in the air. I mean, he terrifies you because you just wait. You know, he hasn't gotten too many red cards. But uh, I mean, his last name is Rojo. Uh, he is aggressive. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you remember the two footer. I'm sure he put on Ghana a couple years oh, ago at yeah. Goodison. I mean, that's how he plays. And the funny part is, I thought he was okay in the World Cup, last, you know, two summers ago. I think he has some talent, but no, we're not paying $25 million for him. I cannot – that was the one where I'm like, all right, now I just don't believe anything any of these people are saying. This is – this is re- you know, dupe me once on Zaha. Stupid me for falling for it. Um, it. But you know what, though? I think there's some deep-rooted issues there with our fan base, and I, I love our fan base. I, I love the fact that we're not front runners. I love the fact that there's this pessimistic kind of – you know, attitude. Uh, but I think we all still have some hope left that, you know, we're going to get over that someday. And it'll be like, you know, the, the Everton still has the ability to be a great club. And in the eighties were a long time ago and economics were different and blah, blah, blah. I get it. Um, but if you're smart, I really believe that if you're smart, even in this day and age and almost any sport, uh, and granted the top six have got to screw up a little bit, you start seeing them screw up and you're thinking, Hey, we can do this. We can get back over the hump. And immediately people are like, 25 million on Rojo. We're complete idiots again. I'm like, no, we're not idiots. Um, so, I, you know, I wonder if the fume had been so bad if they loaned him. That being said, if a loan was on the table and you're Marcus Rojo, don't you take that? I mean, Yeri, you got to figure he's going to get hurt. Maybe, maybe not. He could get in trouble for this game. I can't imagine he get suspended for the gambling thing, by the way. I mean, if you're in Clopton, you know, two years ago, come on. But, I mean, yeah. he's going to play. Like, whoever comes in there, I don't know. I think it's a better opportunity for him than a Manchester United. So if there was a loan deal on the table and he rejected it, uh, that would be pretty disappointing. But, you know, I guess we'll never know. You know, how serious was it? Who knows? 
Um, but boy, man, people were pretty ticked off about it. They wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of with you in that. I, I wasn't necessarily dismissive of, of the prospect of having him in the squad because really, although it does reek of desperation, yes, it does a little we bit. Were, we were a bit desperate leaving it to the last day to bring in that last, that last depth player. But I wouldn't have been opposed to seeing him come on loan, but I don't think that that's what ultimately Manchester United wanted. I think they wanted to send him on a permanent and yeah. we weren't really willing to, to shoulder that risk, no, which they of course to dump him. is it, right. Is Marcel brands um, to a T try to get that shrewd loan move. But um, what actually, what, what the next thing that we're going to get into and in, in, we're going to tap in Alex, I think right after this, but this rumor, and I guess now it's a fact, Alex will be bringing Alex will be in from Arsenal Um Originally reported a few days ago, shortly before Zaha handed his transfer request in, it was initially thought that we were, and this is where, this is again, jumping shark, thought <laughs> yeah. that we were going to bring him in in addition to Zaha, Yeah, what? which would have been, Come on. I mean, wait, what planet are you on if you think that we're splashing that kind of cash? Yeah. Um, but but I, I guess it, it you know prompted Zaha, I don't know how much that actually was a factor, but he ended up handing in the transfer bid. Crystal Palace, apparently, if if the latest rumors are to believe, we're just completely ducking our calls in every way, trying to avoid us to try to avoid having a conversation about Zaha. But um, Arsenal, Arsenal fans seem really happy to get rid of him. But from what I've seen, a lot of his stats are actually incredibly good for when you look at the fee we paid. They're saying 30 rising to 35. I don't know. We'll, we'll probably never know the exact amount. But um Ryan, what do you make of the signing of Alex Awobi instead of Zaha? So Alex Awobi in the analytical community, which apparently I'm speaking for tonight. Uh, <laughs> I guess so, right? Um, well, he's pretty polarizing. I think a lot of people have come out and looked at the numbers and said, hey, this guy is underutilized uh, at Arsenal. Um, he's, you know, it's funny. Some people argue, is he better out out left? Should he be playing out, out wide? Um should he be playing inside? He kind of went back and forth on both. I, I will say this. I feel like he played more central. Yes, he played on the left for Nigeria too, but I think he played, he seemed like he was drifting more centrally. Uh, so the first thing I, I did when I saw him and I, I brought him up earlier, you know, initially I wrote an article for Toffee Targets talking about right wingers that are left footed. And, you know, I had a data population of 35. Fortunately, a lot of them are guys that I had seen before. You know, I tend to watch a lot of Ligue and, and Bundesliga. Um, and, you know, I didn't think to put certain guys on there, but you know, when you drop a Wobi in there, even though he's not not a left footer, it was interesting. And then I thought, you know, this guy might be might have something here because I remember watching him. I thought, you know, this guy's pretty good. He's composed on the ball. Uh, he gets in the box a lot. Those are the things you notice. He's big. He's pretty graceful. Um, and then you start looking at the numbers, and immediately I said, all right, well, if this is our guy, let's let's what do we got here? And let's compare him to all our attackers. That's the first thing I did. I said, you know what? Let's do a comparison. Let's look at Bernard. Let's look at the rest of the crowd. Richie. You know, Walcott, even Moise Keane, Siggy. What are we looking at here? And honestly, the numbers look they look pretty good, James. I mean, I, I he's pretty creative. I mean, he actually, if you look at his expected assist per 90, and I hate using actual assists because, like, it's anyone's fault that someone can finish on their team. Sure. You know what I mean? Come on. Um, yeah. Per 90, they're higher than Sigurdsson, actually, um, which is surprising. A lot of crosses, also kind of surprising. Um, he, he gets a lot of dribbles. His percentage isn't great, but I, I kind of attribute that to – kind of the role he played with Arsenal a lot. You know, he brought brought him on a lot of times from the bench, running at people, trying to score goals. He gets in the box. I mean, that's clear. Now, I, I do have a little bit of concern whether he can tactically sit. You know, when we play without the ball, it's often 4-4-2, and, and the midfielders have to drop a little bit. And you see Richarlison started to get really good at it. Bernard, although not tall, is pretty combative, decent at it too. Uh, I, I think that's something that Wobie would have to work on, but he is good at recoveries. I mean, he has no problem in the press. Um, he's just different. Like when you watch him play, position-wise, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I see where he loves to be on the pitch, especially in the other team's half. And you could see Dinier looping around him. He's composed on the ball. He can hold it. He's big. He's strong. Um, He's not a massive goal scorer. I mean, occasionally he'll hit one from distance. He's not that accurate with the shots. He's a playmaker. Um, But look, you know, taking a step back, when I think about some of our issues in attack, uh, number one is ball retention, frankly. I know we don't score enough goals, so we need to create more. He seems to do that. A lot of through balls, crosses. Um, he's got a lot in his bag, but he also, you know, I'm concerned about the dribbling, but he just seems composed on the ball. And last year, this is an interesting stat for you, last year, you know, we didn't score enough goals, but uh, our defense was really solid. This is how good our, our defense was. On offense, we were 15th in the league in balls lost. 
And you, you said it up front, I mean, which doesn't make any sense. It's, it's even worse if you think about it. Like our possession numbers are like 50.9. We're in the top 10 in possession. But as fast as we played on defense, as crazy as we attacked, and the numbers support that, we're like first in terms of defensive pressuring. We were middle of the road in terms of offensive tempo. Like we were a measured passing team and possession team that turned the ball over 15th. I mean, that, that is inexcusable. So this is a good example. And also we had no bench too. So you could see we got down. We didn't have it. This is a guy that I think is pretty composed on the ball that can help unlock teams. Because I'm telling you what, Palace, I can tell you exactly what they're going to do, man. They're going to sit back in their 4-4-2. They're going to isolate their two forwards. I don't know if Zaha Zaha doesn't play. It would actually be pretty genius, the fact that we kind of – I mean, that would be a complete snot. Sandbagging. Oh, my God. Honestly, if at the end we knew we weren't going to go in for a second bid, can you imagine if that was – Oh my God, that would be evil, but so effective. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to do. And I could tell you another thing they're going to do too, and we get into it in terms of pressuring on the wing. But so it's, can we, can we break them down? Can we unlock that defense? You know, and, and he's someone that gives something a little different than Bernard does, you know? And uh, I, I think he's going to help us. I think he's pretty good. Now, bang for the buck, though. I mean, what do you think, James? That's, that's not a cheap fee, you know? No, it's not a cheap fee, but then you factor in, of course, the the inter Premier League tax, so to speak. Whenever, anytime you have someone that's that's played any, and he's got over a hundred Premier League, I believe, appearances, um, or at least over a hundred appearances for Arsenal, um, and so he's he's a pretty well known commodity, so to speak. Yeah. And though, though Arsenal fans kind of wrote him off, um, I do think that it it could be another another case of where they they don't really know what they got till it's gone, and I think. Interestingly enough, Marco Silva said in the press release that came out that Iwobi was one of our top targets all summer, and we didn't hear a peep about it until five days ago. So, I mean, I completely believe Marco Silva when he says that, and just it's just a testament to how little the supposed ITKs have behind the scenes. I don't think anyone really has any kind of sources, no whether now. you're no. Paul, even Paul Joyce is late to I know, stuff now. It's crazy. Um, uh, yeah. And so it just seems like the Marcel brands regime has just kind of put everything on lock. They don't want any loose lips, loose lips sink ships. And I'm a very big proponent of that. Um, and so to be honest, I mean, the Wobi thing, I think fans were disappointed because we had just built up in our heads that we were going to get Zaha and everyone was just fantasizing about the front line. And then it's like, well, we didn't get him. And we got this other guy who Arsenal fans are happy to be rid of. And so it just kind of seems like it might it was a little uh, underwhelming, I guess, at first. But then when you dig into the stats and you just look at, first of all, the desperate need that we had for another wing player. So to get him in at the last minute, I think, just gives us that little bit more competition in those areas that we needed. Um, I don't think Bernard is an immediate starter anymore, whereas before he was a, a lock. Yeah. Um, and so it, as the season progresses, I think we really did a good job of creating competition in all those areas where Marco Silva talked about, has talked about numerous times last season, how much we need competition for those spots, every single spot in the squad, he wants competition. And now bar center back. I think that we really have that. And I think Awobi is going to play some serious minutes for us. And I I really think that we could have a very fluid and dangerous front. He looks comfortable in the 10 too. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, some of the runs he makes centrally, the composure on the ball, uh, some of the passing range, I mean, he can do a lot of what Siggy does. And obviously, both can dribble, but Awobi's a better athlete and stronger. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we use him. But yeah, I can see us using him a bunch of different ways. And on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. We're going to bring Alex back into the fray. Um, and then we're going to be discussing much more. We're going to talk about the the whole window, how all of our signings kind of supplement the squad, the players we already have in place. Rate the window out of 10. And also, we're going to preview Palace. So uh, we'll be right back. All right, everyone, we're back now joined by the birthday boy himself, Alex Johnson. Happy birthday, my good friend. How are you doing? Thank you, sir. Fantastic. I uh, hit up happy hour with some friends. I found out I actually have friends because people showed up. So that was pretty cool. Hey, congrats. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, pretty big step for me post-grad. And uh, (laughs) past that, I have a couple fingers of Woodford Reserve Distiller Select right here by a cup of water. So uh, let's get to it. All right. So, yeah, we we just... uh, 
Ryan and I just discussed in depth uh, kind of the Zaha saga as well as the signing of a Wobi. And so now we're going to take kind of a big picture bird's eye view of this entire transfer window because it has been a pretty wild couple of months um, after I think what was ended up being six signings last summer. We now have seven more. So just to recap for those that may not have been paying attention, the crazy people that don't follow the transfer window every five seconds, refreshing Twitter, like I think all of us do. Uh, so we brought in, of course, Jonas Lothal on a free from Huddersfield, Andre Gomez from Barcelona on a permanent deal, Fabian Delft from Manchester city, Jean-Philippe Gbamin. Uh, <laughs> Dude, don't feel bad about that. I've watched him a ton in the Bundesliga and the Cup of Nations. I've heard it pronounced four different ways. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So that's uh, he'll he'll be one of the ones that's probably butchered the most. And then uh, <laughs> Mose Keen, Moise Keen, uh, Sidibe from Monaco, of course, recently on a loan deal with an option to buy. And then Alex Awobi, who we just discussed. So, gentlemen, I'm going to throw it to Alex first as the birthday boy. Allow him to give us a rating of 1 to 10. How did Marcel Brands and Marco Silva do this transfer window? How do you feel? As today is my birthday, it's August 8th. I'm going to have to go with an 8 out of 10, gentlemen. And that is because I give it an 8 because we can't ignore the hype that is Keen as well as uh, JPG, I'll call him, right? On top of that, if we remember, a lot of people on Twitter prior to the window opening were talking about how they'd be really hype about the window, even if we just signed Gomez and Zuma on a permanent. Obviously, one of those did not happen. However, one did. Furthermore, you're talking about Fabian Delph being essentially straight swapped in, in terms of, of cash value with James McCarthy. That's that's ridiculous business. Sidibe on loan with an option to buy of, of, I think, 12 or 13 million pounds is extremely low risk. And then Alex Awobi, that's essentially an upgrade on Adam Lookman. I think the squad as a whole turned out much better. And, and, and might I remind everyone, we still have the next uh, three weeks or so, I think, to ship players out to foreign leagues. And so I expect a couple of a couple of more deals happening in that regard into uh, Ryan. I know Ryan's been putting together and keeping track of a lot of the net spend stuff and, and I think even maybe wages. So to Ryan's data, I think that we could see ourselves even break even or possibly uh, a positive or excuse me, a negative net spend. Yeah, I think uh, the last I had, no, and obviously we're not buying anyone else, um, and it depends on who we send out, but I mean, if we can move, if we even move just a little bit of Belasi's salary, um, Morales is going to be gone. I, I, Morales, Omar, we know wants to be gone. He submitted a transfer request. Martina, I mean, I cannot imagine. The thing is the guys that are in their last year of their contract, why would they not want to move on? In essence, they're a free agent now. You know, they have the opportunity to sign a multi-year deal with someone else and be happy and actually play. So I think if those guys move on, the real question is Morgan Schneiderland. If one of the big guys, Morgan Schneiderland, Jank, or Walcott, if the, any of them move, I mean, you're looking at a massive difference in wages. We're talking like 21, 21 million a year. Um, and really the net spend is 32. And then if you think of the savings on a year by year basis, just on salary, I mean, we're not, we're not net zero, but we're getting pretty close. Uh, the question is, I, I see a role for all those guys. So we'll see what we do. But we certainly dropped salary. If that was one of the goals of Marcel Brands, he did a good job in that regard. And I think we're going to see progress on that the next couple of weeks. So Ryan, what for you, the transfer window, 1 to 10, what, what are you giving it? Uh, 7.173. No, I, I'd give it a 7. <laughs> uh, that's my analytical mind coming out, right? Um, I, I'd give it a 7. Uh, so just taking a little bit of a step back, I'm looking at things from a more long-term perspective. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit in the first segment about getting wrapped up in the Zaha saga and could this jump us into the top six. Uh, I think we have to be realistic where we were. Two years ago, that team was so bad. I mean, everyone's like, oh, we finished eight. Man, I'm sorry. Every other indicator, we were terrible and we had to suffer through it and watch it. So I think we've made progress this window. Um I'm concerned like everybody else is on the back. You know, if you look at things as kind of a, a you know, grouping and, 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 you know, the fence maybe has some issues. Uh, Mina makes me nervous a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna, that's an issue. Uh, but we have more flexibility there too, more adaptability. Delph is a useful player. Uh, and look, the bottom line is we need to score more goals. And, and look, Moise Keen is a stud. Um, he's really exciting. He does everything at full speed. He's only going to get better. Uh, I like Awobi. I think he gives us more creation. Uh, and frankly, the guys, the, what we lack on defense by playing maybe Yeri, uh, Yeri instead of Zuma and what we have in Bameen instead of Ghana, 
we make up in ball playing capability. Let me tell you what, JPG, and I love that by the way. That's I was pushing that so hard. So I'm so happy to hear you. There you go. That. Um, he can serve a ball. I think about how much more aggressive we can be too in certain formations with our with our wingbacks too, and his ability to distribute. We don't need to carry it up that forward. It's not all on Gomes now. And Yuri can really move the ball too. We're dangerous on set pieces. I, I think we've I think we've moved forward a little bit. I do. Yeah, so so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna jump in with my I'm gonna jump right in between you guys, splat in the middle with a seven point five. Um, I do have a, a a poem prepared that I actually I found on Twitter earlier. Um, it's called Everton's starting lineup for the FA Cup semifinal three years ago versus Manchester United, and it goes a little something like this: Joel Robles, Mohamed Besic, John mm. Stones, Phil mm. Jagielka. Leighton Baines, James McCarthy, Darren Gibson, Aaron Lennon, Ross Barkley, Tom Cleverly, and Lukaku. And so that's what we were dealing with three years ago. And at face value, you look at players like, of course, John Stones and Ross Barkley, who have moved on supposedly up the ladder. Um, But you look at the squad we have now, and we're not playing players like Mohamed Besic, who was actually looks like he was playing at right back if if this graphic is any indication. We've got real depth in almost every area. You look at striker, we've got Calvert-Lewin, Tosin, and now Keane up top. On the wing, we've got Bernard, Walcott. We've got, um, of course, Awobi now. And so we've got we've got those comp- competition in that area. We brought in three midfielders, four midfielders to compete for spots where last year, if you look, if we lose, if Ghana goes down or if Gomez is out, then you're looking at a very, very thin um thin bench with not a lot of options for solutions for Marco Silva to plug in. And now we've got probably, and I think the midfield is really the area that's key because we have so much flexibility in different profiles of players. And we've got probably six or seven midfielders now that can get minutes for us and all offer something a little bit different. So week to week, I think it will take Marco Silva probably a couple months to figure out what's going to work best. And I think Replacing Ghana was the biggest key of this whole summer because what he allowed us to do going forward, allowing us to be much more offensive, allowing Gilfie to kind of do his thing as kind of a second striker. Um, without Ghana there, we're going to need some some real defensive chops. And hopefully JPG, which I really do appreciate the acronym um, because it's it's much better. I really do think that that I, I don't know if he's going to be quite have the the IQ, I guess, which is an intangible, but Ghana was just so good at being in the right place at the right time. Whether he possesses that to his game, I think as a, as a physical specimen, he's probably a little more imposing, but does he have that, that nous about him where he can just show up and he can pick the ball, pick a pass and, and get things, you know, so many times where we'd have a stray pass go awry and turn it over. And then immediately Ghana would be all over them, hounding, hounding them, winning it back. Um, so, so there are a lot of questions that still need to be asked, but we were in the same position beginning of last season where we had brought in a lot of players, but a lot of question marks. And I think the the questions are still there to be answered, but I think we have a lot more potential answers, um, going forward this season than we did last year. And of course, years before most of these guys are young too. You know, we've got to look at these in a little bit of long-term. These guys are going to get better. Even Bameen, although he's 23, that's not, I mean, it's young. He can get a lot better. Um, and look, replacing Ghana was going to be hard. I mean, we're never going to find someone as disruptive as him. And I wrote, you know, what, 4,000 pages on it for Toffee Targets. And I basically gave up. You know, I said, look, we're not going to find someone like him. So uh, to kind of go into someone that I think fits more in a traditional kind of Silva scheme, I think made sense. It was the right way to address it uh, and bring something a little bit different. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I still think the central midfield still concerns me a little bit. Like, I just have these dreams of a decoré type in there pairing up with Amin and just destroying everyone and Gomes roaming free. I'm concerned about Andre's defensive liabilities. I, he's not good positionally, uh, but he can press upwards. But you've got Delph. Delph can come in there if we feel like that's a really significant issue. He takes care of the ball. I like that we have more guys that can pass and take care of the ball. I really felt like that was important. And if you look at Marcel Brands' teams at PSV or AZ, they weren't necessarily massive possession teams, but they could really pass the ball. And he said that when he first got hired. And I think I think you're starting to see that shape come I, I you know what's really key is we got to take three points off the teams that we don't feel like are as good as us i think that is the biggest benchmark if we get smoked occasionally by man city hooray we've been doing that already they're really good we get it but it's those teams like palace we've got to take three points against these teams and i think we've got some more ball players it may be riskier 
Um, but getting goals is important. And I think we've done a good job in making a team that can score and create more for sure. That's absolutely true. I mean, obviously, in my opinion, actually, the midfield is not a concern for me. Obviously, we lost Ghana, which is huge. I, I think I said on the last episode or the ep- episode before, right, I was really nervous because no matter how you cut it, we were never going to be able to bring someone in that was as effective. But we could see a slight change in system, and you never know. Changes in system could do better for the for the two mid- central midfielders in front of whoever would be playing in Ghana's spot. But for me, the main issue is, A, a center back, which Marco Silva mentioned specifically that he liked how Lewis Gibson did in preseason. So as a fourth center back option, that's not terrible, assuming Yuri Mina can stay fit for most of the season. But but it's it's really about goals, and that's a fact, because we saw Richarlison and Sigurdsson combine, or excuse me, uh, tie for the most goals in the team, but nobody else was close. Walcott really did not contribute at all like we were hoping he was going to be or Last was mission. going to. I think uh, Bernard didn't really contribute at all. I think he maybe scored one goal, or was that one goal even in the uh, in a cup? So yeah. we signed Iwobi. He's got three goals in the Prem uh, the last three years in a row, which is somewhat concerning, although I am high on him. Um, so I think our biggest issue immediately is going to be goal scores. So we're going to have to really hope that Bernard and specifically Walcott can produce more than they did last year. I definitely think they can. It just comes down to will they? Yeah. And I agree with you, Alex. I think it will take some time to, for everyone to settle. And, and I think, you know, we look at, I don't think Gomez even played to like October, of last season. So it will take time for these guys to settle. It's a new country. A lot of them, uh, English is questionable at best. So that's obviously a learning curve, but on the pitch, I really like the, the options that we have as far as, you know, we did a, saw a little bit of it last season where we would have Richarlison and Bernard, maybe switch wings or Walcott and Richarlison, whatever. Um, I would not want to be Marco Silva having to select the lineup a couple weeks from now once these players start to get integrated because he's going to have some headaches on his hands. Um, and and you're, we're talking, we haven't even mentioned Tom Davies, who is, I think, probably kind of polarizing at this point. He's definitely fallen down the depth chart with the signings that we've made. But I still really believe in him as a player and think that he could be a, a valuable contributor, if not you know, an elite star on this team. So, um, and, and then we talk about, we didn't even talk about Sidibe yet, who... Um, Ryan will probably have some really good insights into him as a player, but just the fact that we we traded in John Joe Kenny, who, while at times last season looked promising and, and looked like he could contribute for a World Cup winner with a pedigree, um, who can not only play as a right back, but if my understanding is correct, he actually generally performs better when he's playing as like a a midfielder or even a winger. So he gives kinda, us like go he's ahead. He's kind of moved up that way. I mean, you're right to an extent. I mean, if you look at his official position, it's always been right back. And, and to be perfectly honest though, that Monaco team was a mess all year. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching it very early when Tielemans was there and trying to kind of run the show. And I mean, it was just ego, ego, all these guys like Golovin was a the guy they spent a lot of money for. He's not quite as good as he needs to be. And, and yeah, Sadibi looks really dangerous when he's up far advanced. I, I think I could have seen them making a move for someone who's maybe more defensive oriented. You know, there are times in set pieces and things where Sheamus gets the ball in the box and struggles with guys that overpower him. But for the most part, I mean, I think what we need more of is what Silva wants. And Sidibe's great going forward. The one thing he does well is he makes a lot of runs. He's constantly in motion. Uh, he looks a little more labored than he used to. I mean, the, the knee issues are, are real. He doesn't look maybe as fluid, but he can also serve a ball. And let me tell you what, man, I cannot. there were a lot of teams that played tried to set a high line against them that he would play the ball in between the in behind the defense to great effect. He can really pass the ball. He can take care of it. He's a good player. He's going to help us. If Seamus goes down, I feel pretty good about it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, my opinion about it is Sidibe is essentially top notch when you're talking about getting any, any, any player in any position on loan to serve as competition, right? Like I'm not talking about signing a, a, a guaranteed starter, but as James mentioned, we we sent out John Joe Kenny on loan. Hopefully, he will start and earn a lot of valuable minutes at Schalke. But Sidibe, like you cannot question the quality that we got in terms of a quote unquote second string right back as it stands with an option and to buy. 
which is right. fairly reasonable, I think, if this guy pans out, right? It's extremely, it's, it's extremely reasonable. So this A tells me that our right back position has strengthened immensely, and B this tells me that John Joe Kenny is going to have to step it up in Germany, and he knows that, or else, unfortunately, this is going to be his last season associated with the Blues. He's no Cuco Martina, please. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Cuco Martina, because <laughs> I you know, know. Much, much has been made of you know Kevin Morales. We need to offload all this dead weight. I have not heard one mention of Cuco Martina from anyone being linked with anywhere, um, and so I, I almost feel bad for him because really the season where he had to slot in at left back, I I think he did an admirable job under the circumstances with how imba- unbalanced that squad was, um, but clearly just never really up to up to par with what we were expecting or what we needed, and so. I really hope that he can make a move and, and kind of contribute uh, to some club, wherever that may be and whatever level that may be. Um, I, I do wish all the best for Cuco Martina because he really did a nice job for us. He tried for sure. He was in a tough spot. Uh, so, so let's move on now because believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, we are now just two days away from the season debut of this new reloaded, revamped Everton side uh, against Crystal Palace who probably aren't, entirely happy with us at the moment, all things considered. Um, And so we're going to travel to Selhurst Park on Saturday to face what will likely be a Zaha-less Crystal Palace because not just because of the transfer rumors, but because of how recently he got back to their uh, training facility after the AFCON. Um, And so I'll throw it over to Ryan first. Ryan, talk us through a little bit of like the tactical setup for, for Roy Hodgson. I mean, we know that they like to somewhat park the bus in that uh, Zaha is the guy that does everything for them. But what have they done over the summer? And give us a little bit of a rundown over the, of, of, of Crystal Palace. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, not a ton of ads. They made a couple kind of at the last minute with McCarthy and uh, Camarasa came in. Uh, obviously, we know McCarthy. Um, Camarasa is more, I mean, I guess you call him a center mid, but he's more of an attacking midfield player. I, he'll help them a bit, I think. Uh, he was at Cardiff last year. Um, they did need a little more depth in the middle, but... Um, other than that, keeping Jordan Ayew, you know, who they already had in on loan, big losses. I mean, big losses. Um, mm. They lost Sacco as a freedom West Brom. You kind of scoff at that. But, I mean, the way they play, it's important to have a target guy up there. Uh, Juan Bissaka is a massive loss. He's a massive loss. I still don't know who the heck they're going to play it right back. I guess Ward's going to play it right back. But y- you're right the way they play and the way Roy plays. Uh, he's a strict 4-4-2 guy. Uh, strict. I mean, very rarely do they change that. Um, but it's a different 4-4-2 than maybe we see a lot of. I mean, really, the back four and the mid four are very condensed. Uh, they will totally isolate the two. Uh, they're hard to break down. Uh, they will play low. It will be pretty much a low block. You're going to see a lot of that, even at home, uh, depending on how things go. But they're dangerous on the counter. They have some speed. And typically what they'll do is they'll have Zaha up there playing with Bentaki or playing off any target, really. Fire it up to Bentaki, play it off of him. And that's why Zaha is such a polarizing character. You criticize him for all the dribbles and stuff. Well, I mean, what else is he? Uh, occasionally, he'll play out left. Uh, so you've got to watch out for him and Thompson really kind of darting up the field. Uh, you know, Milijovic, he scores a lot of penalties. He's okay in the middle, but really, it's about breaking them down. So I think, I think what I think the key to the game is personally is we know Marco likes to build from the back on the wings. He likes to attack from width. And if you're playing a low block about the only way, if they even move it up a little, the only way you're going to push that back is to attack and wide. But what you will see is, and this is what I guarantee you they will do, is when we try to play and attack through the width, when we move the fullbacks up, they will press and attack. Uh, that's not something they do a lot. If you look at all the numbers, I mean, they 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 don't put a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't have a lot of defensive actions for other teams passing. Every rating says they sit back, but they will press. And they did it last year against us at the end of the year, and we struggled with it. You know, we were so mechanical in terms of our attack we're going to have to mix it up a little bit. We're going to have to play with speed and pace. You know, we talked in the first segment about how measured our attack could be last year. Good possession team that played slowly and still turned the ball over all the time. So we are going to have to watch that. I think the really key is us finding a more dynamic way to play faster, play more through the middle and not lose the ball. And we'll see. You know, if DCL has another one of those games, Dom doesn't finish. Um, it will be very interesting to see what Marco does tactically. I'm hopeful for three points. They don't look good. They've gotten murdered a couple times in preseason. Um, if Zaha doesn't play, I mean, they're just going to pack it in more, I think. I, I like our chances, but we got to finish. Alex, what do you think we'll see as far as a starting lineup? Um, personally, I, I'd be surprised to see any of the signings. Delph is a question mark due to fitness. Um, all the other guys kind of just arrived too late. Obviously Gomez will probably start, but 
beyond that, I'd be pretty surprised to see any of the the kind of either JPG, Keen, Sidibe, or will be any of them feature. So I think we're going to be looking at pretty similar to what we saw against Bremen. But but what do you think? You think we'll see Calvert Lewin up top, and then uh, yeah, what what are your predictions for starting lineup? I think it's exactly what you said. It's going to be exactly the same starting lineup against Werder Bremen, except for possibly Schneiderlin for Delft, depending on depending on Delft's uh, quote unquote injury, though. right? Because we don't we don't exactly know what it was or how serious it was. Me personally, I feel confident, regardless of of the situation in terms of the the, the selection there, Delft Schneiderlin. Um, Schneiderlin, he's on big wages, right? But He's a very good player when you're talking about depth. So is he the player that's going to start at defensive midfield and get us to the top six? No, but in order to get to the top six and stay at the top six to make those solid cup runs to uh, actually survive in the Europa League, assuming we make it there, we need players as good as Schneiderlin to be able to plug in when, when players like Dell for JPG are not available. So I think it's going to be the same thing and I really, I, I do agree with with your points, Ryan, and I think that was um, a very solid, well-rounded presentation in terms of how they're going to set up tactically. It makes me feel pretty confident in terms of how the scoreline will look, except for the fact, as you mentioned, it's going to be largely up to us to finish chances because they're going to come few and far between, unfortunately, specifically with you know how we've looked in preseason and, again, how defensive they're going to be they're going to be playing because on top of the fact that Zaha, I would literally bet money on the fact that he won't feature Jordan. IU also played a lot in AFCON. I'm not sure when he came back, but he is probably a lock as a starter for, for crystal palace up front as well. Yeah. So I think so. so I think you're right. So with both of them out, right. Assuming both of them are out, I'm really not sure about uh, Jordan. IU. then that, that spells trouble for them. I, I'm just going to jump in real quick here and just say that they, um, I think Alex makes some really good points and, and specifically Ryan talking about the low block and all of those things. Um, I would be, I think this might be kind of a bit of a trap game. I mean, we're away to Sawhurst park crystal palace have a, have a pretty good atmosphere and their fans are going to be certainly uh, motivated to, to bring the noise against us after we were trying to poach their, their best player and their talisman. Um, and, and, in addition to that, the low block is really kind of our was one of our stumbling blocks, no pun intended, <laughs> last year because <Wow. laughs> we, we really excelled against some of the more open, fluid teams that wanted to attack and attack and attack. But we really, really struggled at times to break down in, in what Ryan mentioned, beating the teams who we perceive that were better than. We really struggled with that because the teams that we are on paper better than are going to do exactly what Palace will do and sit low and they're not going to want to concede goals. And we just didn't really have those moments of brilliance or those individual or even collective team moments of, of cohesion where you can just like you see man city and they do it almost effortless effortlessly. We don't really quite have that chemistry or that, that tactical breakdown just yet. Um, And who knows what the boys have been working on, on the training pitch at Finch farm, but I do have a bit of a concern. I think once we get some of the new signings integrated, once we have um, Moise Keen up front and we can start to be a bit more fluid, um, I, I am worried about Calvert-Lewin starting up top. I sting, still think he has a lot of promise, but he's not going to be the long-term answer, I don't think. And while he makes a really good target man against Manchester City, um, is he really the guy to kind of break down Palace? I'm, I'm not totally sold on that. So how do you think it's going to end up, gentlemen? Scoreline. Birthday boy. You're first. Well, it's it's a tough one because oftentimes, as we know, as Everton fans, it's a, it's a difference between heart and mind. Um, my heart says 2-0. My mind says 1-0 because it's going to be oh. – to Everton, obviously, because yeah. it's it's – I just think it's going to be really difficult specifically since it's the first match. It's going to be high intensity. It's a way. There's going to be a lot of animosity from the home crowd. And so I see it being very tough. However, I think it's going to be one nil and I'll even call it Richarlison because why not? For me, it's going to be a, and a, this might contradict slightly what I just said, but I, I think we're going to go two nil Alex. I'm following your, uh, your heart there. It's even though the questions remain about our ability to break down teams, I still think that we are on paper, even without most of our new signings far better than palace, especially if like Alex mentioned, they're missing 
Ayu in addition to Zaha. I don't really see them being able to score past us. I think as a defensive unit, that's probably the there's still question marks, as is you know inevitable at the beginning of every season. But I just don't see any way that they're going to be able to score against us. Famous last words, but yeah, I'm confident in a two no win. And uh, Ryan, we'll, we'll leave it with you. Oh boy, wrap us up here. All right, well. Uh, my head says zero, zero. Uh, no, uh, I, that's what I was thinking. No, I, I actually think it's going to be different. I think it's going to be 2-1, and uh, this is why I think that. I, I think we're going to concede something off the counter. I think the idea of Morgan in there is a, is a solid positional player, but there is not a lot of athleticism, I think, there in the middle. But I think it's going to come later, and I think we're going to be up 2-0. Uh, here's my prediction. We're going to score off some absolute fluky garbage, knock it off someone goal early, and uh, and then we're going to get a set piece goal or the early one could be a set piece. The reason why I say that is Palace is not very good in the air. You would think a team that packs it in like that would be. I think Marco is going to know how to exploit that. I think we're going to see a lot of service into the box. People forget we were the most accurate crossing. Uh, I don't know if Dom's going to score one clean. I feel like he's going to bang one in. And then I think when they come out, try and come back out of the block, I think we're going to play one behind him and score. And uh, they'll get one coming back on the counter. I say 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one our guys. 2-1 good guys. All right, folks, we're going to end it on that note. Very excited for Saturday, as I'm sure all of you are as well. Uh, catch us back post-match, post and we'll, we'll be recapping it all, talking about the big talking points. Uh, huge thanks to Ryan. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? Throw out your handle, do your, do your plugs and everything. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Toffee Targets is where I do most of my writing. Uh, you can go to my blog at Soccer Analysis Analysis. It's something that's fairly new, not been advertised much, but... Uh, Everything you find, Toffee Targets, uh, go see it. There's a lot of great articles there on the transfer deadline and, and a lot of names of people that maybe you don't know or seen. And just hit me up off trip Twitter, Ryan Williams at uh, Soccer Analysis. Alex, any last words on your birthday, the big 2-4? Uh, I feel old and... Not as old know, as me. <laughs> well, you know, I, here's what I have to say. I was really excited about it, about today, about the transfer deadline, I was I was disappointed initially, but I thought about it. I came around. I had a couple drinks, right? And uh, I feel I feel good about the window. I think a lot of the hype died down because we were so excited about Zaha. At the end of the day, you know, we know that a lot of it was fabricated in terms of longevity and, and how far we were into it. We didn't know the whole story about Zuma. I think at the end of the day, we're going to be really excited and really impressed with what comes this season. And I can't wait to kick it off in, in about a day and a half. All right, we'll leave it at that, everyone. Until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.